There's King Jesus, and he wants to be the king of your life and my life. And yet in the midst of this, we have the enemy, and we got this flesh that's wicked and depraved that wants to be on the throne, don't we? That we want to be on the throne of our lives. And me universe, me planet, planet John, right? Me church, fill in the blank. Me, me, me. And when me doesn't get what me wants, what does me typically do, church? Me comes out swinging, don't we? Welcome to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. It is a joy to have you listening today, and we pray that you will be encouraged, challenged, and motivated to live for God like never before. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor John Couch. So, Father, we just simply come before you. And God, we just sang, Great are you, Lord. And God, I pray that, God, I pray there's weight to those words. I pray we didn't just sing those because they're on a screen. God, I pray that's the anthem of our hearts. Great are you. Even when you don't go our way, you're still great. And so, Father, I pray, would you speak? Would you illuminate Holy Spirit? And don't allow us to rebel against the Word, to resist it, God, but I pray we'd embrace it. I pray we'd say, God, just clothe me in your righteousness today. Word of God, speak. Wash us with the Word. So, Father, we simply give this to you. I pray that I would decrease while you increase. I pray we would just hear from you. And, God, to you be the praise. To you be the glory. As we even right now confess our sin to you. Give us clean hands. Give us a pure heart. That we might hear clearly. And we will give you all that praise and glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen. Take that Bible and let's turn to James, James chapter 3. James chapter 3, we are back in our study here in James. It's uh, powerful and exciting to be a part of a body where God is working, isn't it? Where God's moving, where He's stirring in our hearts. Well, James chapter 3, we're back in this, this simple topic, which I know is easy to deal with, called taming the tongue. I know it's an easy one. I know you guys got this one licked, no pun intended, but uh, it's, it's one of those deals. It's called Taming the Tongue, and there's 12 verses. We've looked at uh, one through five before, and now we're looking at six through eight today, and I pray that as we open the word, that as the psalmist said, and I love Psalms, Psalm 119, that, that short little chapter there, especially verse 162, that says this, that I rejoice at your word. I rejoice at your word as one who's found great treasure. Look at that amazing. I rejoice. When's the last time you've rejoiced at God's word? You go, oh, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the praise of your word. I thank you for the teaching of your word. I rejoice at it as one who's found great treasure. I pray today that would be the cry of our hearts that we rejoice. And so here it is. Uh, James chapter 3, verse 6 through 8. 
And verse 6 says it like this. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by what? By hell. Now we can pause there and go, okay, man, this is amazing. This is kind of in your face. Verse 7, for every kind of beast, don't miss this, and bird, a reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. Verse 8, but, but no human being, none, zero, not a nilch, can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Let me read verse 8 again, just make sure this is sinking in. But no human being, not me, not you, there's no one on this planet who has lived or will live, can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. Now jump up to verse 1. Let's read verse 5 through verse 5 to give us our context. Again, this is all about taming the tongue. So out of the gate, he says, look, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach, James is including himself, will be judged with greater strictness. So we got to be careful. Typically when you teach, typically you open your mouth. Got to be real careful, right? For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. Able also to do what? Bridle his whole body. Keep it in check, in submission. Verse 3, if we put bits into the mouths of horses, here we go, illustrations, so they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also, verse 5, the tongue is a small member, yet, there it is, yet, it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. I believe that the issue with the tongue, which by the way, I have a challenge with that, and everyone in the room has a challenge to some degree. Uh, if you're here today and you're saying, I don't have any challenge with this, you're only fooling yourself. You may be hugging zero, but you're still on the line. Uh, every one of us are in this battle. There are some issues, you may, there could be an, uh, an alcoholic issue, there could be a uh, a pornography issue, there could be whatever, you fill in the blank of sin, and maybe you don't struggle with those things. But the reality is every person here today, myself included, struggle with taming the tongue. It is a battle that we will deal with for the rest of our days. Now, the good news is we can have victory. We can have victory in this. The question is this, though, and this is very key. The question is, do you want victory? As I am learning, and I'm explaining this in a moment, unless you want the victory, you're probably not going to achieve the victory. There has to be a hunger, a thirst, a desire that says, I want this victory. I no longer want to have this reign over me. I, I want to have this victory. 
that is conquered, that I'm killing it, I'm mortifying it, I'm putting it to death on a daily basis. Because if we're passive about this issue in particular, it will wreak havoc in your home, in your marriage, at work, on the ball field, and yes, in your church. This is serious. Matter of fact, I would argue this. I believe this is the number one, the number one rationalized, justified, acceptable sin among Christians. I believe it's the number one. That we we allow our mouths to go into overtime and we're not thinking what we're saying and it does great damage. Irreparable at times. They say, well, where do you get this? Well, look at verse 6 for a moment. So verse 6 says this, as James launches into this, he, he explains five areas. And don't you love how just upfront James is? He's not shy, is he? He's not one of these passive-aggressive types. Verse 6, and the tongue is, number one, a fire, okay, a world of unrighteousness. Like, we could just stop there and go, this is not good. Then he goes deeper. The tongue is set among our members, could be church members. It's not what he's referring to, but number three, staining the whole body. Don't miss that. Staining the whole body, not part of it, all of it. Four, setting on fire the entire course of life. And five, and set on fire by hell itself. When you think about a fire, rhetorical question here, what do you think of? Well, often you think of a flame, you think of heat, perhaps you think of how it permeates, how it spreads. But a fire typically does great damage, doesn't it? Great damage. And not only does it do great damage, but often it's uncontrollable. There are controlled fires, I get this. I'm talking about a fire that's not controlled, one spark, one California wildfire. You hear it all the time on the news, right? wasn't like they just, you know, took 100 acres and said, boom, there's one big fire. It was typically, oops, (laughs) oops, one match, one campfire, one spark in a very dry area, and bam, there it goes, right? And it's on the news. They're trying to contain it literally having no success. It's just burning through cities and towns. Devastation is everywhere. That's what James is communicating. He said, if we rationalize this and justify it at home, at work, on the ball field of the business, in church, hey, it's not really that big a deal. It's a big deal. Like It's a really big deal. And it will be set on fire by what itself, hell. But it stains. I love that thought as he uses that in the ESV, stains. So what does staining do? It, it defiles, it, it contaminates, it pollutes. It pollutes what? Well, just, just part of something? No. That's what happens with the tongue. And, and you know this, you're humans, I'm a human, so when, when we are in any way, shape, or form, attacked, threatened, so to speak, not physically per se. Perhaps it's an old wound. Perhaps it's a wound that's been suppressed for decades. 
that when that happens, the, the reflex, right, is to, to open the mouth, right? That's what we do. We, we go on the offensive. And yet words are cutting. They hurt. One of the most foolish things I've ever heard is sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. Foolish, foolish thinking there. Words do hurt. Some of us right now think back to the fifth grade, right? And you remember that someone said something to you. The second grade on the playground. And they didn't like my socks, you know, and my life's been forever in a tailspin. I mean, it's amazing what happens when, when these things go on because they do hurt. They're cutting. Words are powerful, though, positively, Amen. But we can take words and, and use them in a powerful way. And when the tongue gets tamed, well, we can encourage people. We can uplift people. Uh, in that dry day, that weary soul that says, man, I'm hurting, I'm wounded, that, that we can speak a word of encouragement. And it just brings great refreshment to that soul. It stains, though, in verse 6. Stains what? The whole body? The entire life, not part of the life, the whole life. It just, it's like water. You guys ever seen what water does when water seeps into a building? Go check out our fellowship hall, amen? Like it gets in every crevice you can imagine. That's what happens with the sin of the tongue, the poison of the tongue. It just finds every little crevice it can and it contaminates, it pollutes. My own life, my own brokenness, as I've shared with you, I don't think I've ever had one conflict where I walked away from the conflict going, you know what, I probably should have talked a lot more. Now that I'm reassessing this, kind of doing one of these hum moments going, hmm, yeah, I probably should open my mouth a lot more, and that probably would have went a lot better. Now what do you do? And you go, man, why did I open my mouth? Why did I even say those things? Well, here's why I said them, they're in my heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's why the Word of God is so important. That's why discipleship is so important. It's critical that we pour the truth into us so that when we are in the conflicts, when we are in the challenges, not if this happens, it's in, when, when it happens, when this happens, that we now launch out with what's in our heart. The Word of God's in there. We write it on the tablet of our heart. Why? That we may not sin against God. And we begin to now speak truth. That's why key number one is so important in your notes. I want you to write this down. Key number one. What we say with our tongue can spread unrighteousness, stain our witness, and spread like a deadly wildfire. Let me say that again. Key number one. What we say with our tongue, and by the way, again, our tongue can promote good things, but we're talking the negative right now. What we say with our tongue can spread unrighteousness, iniquity, stain our witness, pollute, defile, contaminate our witness, and spread like an uncontrollable, deadly wildfire. I mean, what do you do whenever you're trying to stop a, a fire? This ever happened to you? Like maybe you're doing a, a barbecue. Anyone like barbecues outside? You barbecues? Praise God for barbecues, right? I love barbecues. Amen. You're saved. Praise Jesus. 
And uh, yeah, it's, it's awesome, isn't it? And so, so you know, you, you're doing the barbecue and what do you do? Well, if it's like a grease fire and you ever done that and it just kind of, it's all over the place, what do you do? Well, you go grab the biggest can of gasoline you can and you dump it on there, right? That's how you put it out, right? You take the biggest can and you just dump it on there until it's empty, right? That makes sense, right? Well, of course you don't. But that's what we do often, don't we? With a tongue, man, we just get a big can of gasoline. Man, we're having the conflict at home or wherever we are. We just, this will fix it. Kaboom, right? It just explodes. This is what happens with the poison of the tongue. Matter of fact, look back there in verse 6. It says this, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by what? What does your Bible say? Verse 6, that last word. Set on fire by hell. So here, you're looking at hell, yes, future place of destruction for those who don't have Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, amen? you got to remember that when James is writing to this Jewish culture, he's using also polling there. There was literally a dump, a city dump outside of Jerusalem, this valley. And, and literally, it would burn constantly of garbage. And that's the visual he's pulling from, saying, look, yes, future hell, eternal damnation, amen, but also this visual of there's a dump. Like it's toxic, it's poisonous, it's the sewer, so to speak, and it burns constantly. That's the tongue. That's the power of the tongue when used in an unchristlike way. I made a couple notes here. I said this. An out-of-control tongue is compared to a wild fire that's out of control. If there's anything that we do that damages on such an ongoing basis, it's the tongue. Think about this for a moment. Think about in your life, and I'm thinking of my life, how many of my sins involve me opening my mouth to some degree. I mean, just think about this for a moment. It's absolutely astounding when you begin to pause and just ponder and go, ooh. So many sins in life are attached to the tongue. I mean, we look at our culture right now. Like when you turn on the television and you see the utter nonsense going on all over America today, do you see a bunch of people being silent? I mean, occasionally you see rocks flying, I get that, and bricks, but I'm, I'm talking about, for the most part, what do you see? You see a bunch of people who are just bam, bam, bam with the tongue, right? This is the power of the tongue. And that's why it is so critical, church, that we begin to see it for what it is, identify it, call it out, admit it, no longer rationalize it, don't play games with it any longer, don't pull it out and pet it every now and then, put it back in the cage. No, pull it out and say, I'm going to war against you. Like, I'm killing this. Like, this will no longer have reign in my marriage. This will no longer have reign in my business. This will no longer have reign at the workplace. This will no longer have reign in my church, on my ball team. This will no longer have rain. Don't allow the tongue, the poison of the tongue that we all struggle with, don't allow it to have the final word in your life. Because it will, if we don't go to war against it. 
there's some scriptures I want to give you here that I pray will help you and encourage you. Write down Romans chapter 6, 12 through 13. So fairly easy to remember. Romans 6 is 12 through 13. And as I read this, I want us again to think of this concept, which I believe to be true. I believe this is the most, all across America, in churches today, I believe it's the most rationalized, justified, acceptable sin there is. A little gossip. Nah, I won't hurt anybody. A little slander. Nah, not a big a deal. A little sarcasm here. A little snide remark. A little cut here. A little jab there. Proverbs says it like this, in a multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. It is a big deal. And here's what Romans tells us, Romans chapter 6, 12 through 13. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey, oh, there we go, that's that word, its passions. Do not present, okay, here we go, do not present your members, your body, to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Praise Jesus. Amen. And your members to God as instruments of righteousness. So look at verse 12 there. So here it is on the screen. So let not sin therefore reign. R-E-I-G-N. Reign. What's that mean? It means a kingship, right? Royalty. There's King Jesus and he wants to be the king of your life and my life. And yet in the midst of this, we have the enemy and we got this flesh that's wicked and depraved that wants to be on the throne, don't we? Now we want to be on the throne of our lives. Man, me universe, me planet, planet John, right? Me church, fill in the blank. Me, me, me. And when me doesn't get what me wants, what does me typically do, church? Me comes out swinging, don't we? It's all about the self-life, the selfie generation. And God's word, the holy written word of God screams a different message. God says, look, it's not about you. It's about me, God says. God says it's about my glory and my fame and my praise. And, and God says, I'll do the work. I'll do the saving. But you, me, we got to decrease while he increases. More than a cute verse that we just recite every now and then. There's a reality to this. There's a component to this. That when pride is in my heart, when pride is in your heart, we're now insecure. Our identity's rooted in what other people say. What happens to our hope? Well, man, whatever's going on in our world and the circumstances. Well, the Bible says that your hope and identity and security is wound up in Jesus. Because if it's not, well, that mouth just begins to go, doesn't it? It's just uncontrollable. It's just unstoppable. That's why you can't let it rain. Don't let it rain in your mortal body. He says, don't let it. Like, don't allow it. Look at your life. I look at my life and say, I'm not going to allow this anymore. I'm going to go against this. They say, we don't understand my home life. You don't understand where I'm coming from. You know, I got a tough situation. Okay, okay. Give it to God. Give it to God. D don't lash out. Give it to God. Let not sin reign. Don't let it have that kingship in your life to obey its passions, but present, I love this, present. We're literally going to God just, 
Here, God, here I am. It's a mess. It's a bunch of crumpled, broken up pieces. It's like the Lego house that got ran over by the desk chair when it backed up into it. And it's a bunch of crumpled pieces. You go, here, God, here it is. God's like, hey, I got this. Let me just take it and put it all back together. Better than it was before. Present it. Just present it to him. Go, here's my mess. Here are my challenges. Here's my pain and my wounds and my fears and all the struggles of life. I don't want this to be under the reign anymore of the enemy or self, but I want you to take it over. You're listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. All of Pastor Couch's messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. In addition, you can share your prayer requests with us via email. Our email address for prayer requests is prayer at thisdayministries.org. That's prayer at thisdayministries.org. And now, back to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch. How about Romans 13, 14? Pretty easy, right? Romans 13, 14. If you're a good counter, not only should you be on the teller committee, but you can remember that verse, amen? Romans 13, 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill, to gratify its desire. So my flesh, your flesh has a desire. It's got a craving. It's a beast that's in there and it's constantly looking to lurch. And the way it does often is through the mouth, doesn't it? It's in there. It's hungry, not get what I want. Hey, this isn't a plan. This isn't how I plan this thing up. What do you mean they're not going along with my plans? I'll let them know about it. There we go. Vomit. And what happens is right there, we're not putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. We're putting on the flesh. If you go outside and you're out there weed eating or, you know, trimming the lawn or mulching or whatever you do in your yard and you've been out there for, you know, 23 hours and you're just a sweaty mess. I mean, you just stink. You stink like the city dump. It's just wrong. What do you do? You go inside and crawl into bed, right? Go to sleep. Of course you don't. That'd be foolish. I mean, you take that off and you burn it, don't you? I mean, you excommunicate the demons out of those clothes, amen? You get rid of that stuff. Aren't we guilty, though? I mean, we're guilty when it comes to the mouth. We just, we got all the pollution, all the contamination, and we just think crawl into bed. No, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're going to put him on, something has to be taken off. That's what Paul's saying. Take off, remove the old. Remember, brought from death to life. For you, the true believer today, you have been bought with the most precious blood that's ever been shed. And because you've been bought, you've been purchased. Freedom is never free. It costs Christ dearly to atone for your sin. And because he did that, here's what happens. Now you, the true believer, when it's true, not false, but when it's true, you are now clothed. You have taken off and you put on. Do we still struggle? Yes. But there'll be great conviction. Great conviction in this. That you don't want to please the flesh any longer. You want to live for the Lord. And in that process, there has to be this attacking and going against the tongue. We must go to war against that. Not, not passive. This is, this is a battle, like all sin is a battle. 
But because it's so rationalized, because it's so justified, because it's so acceptable, it just happens, it's what we do, this is who we are. All our hurts, our habits, our hang-ups, we're just good. No, we can't be good with sin. The moment we become good with sin, we're weighing over our heads. We must be a people, a church, a family, an individual, a marriage that says, I'm not going to be passive about this. I'm going to attack this. You say, well, how do you do it? Well, here's what I've been doing. So every morning I know what my struggles are and I name them. So let's hypothetically say that I'm not the only one here in the room that struggles with the tongue. And so let's say all of us do, which we actually do. And so starting this afternoon, forget tomorrow morning, start this afternoon before the Bucks game and just say, look, here's the deal. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to war against this. Like tongue, I'm going to war against you. You will no longer have rain in my life. I'm going to name it. I'm going to bring it out into the light. I'm not going to rationalize it anymore. I'm not going to blame everybody else. No, I'm going to name it for what it is and say, tongue, it's you. And you're, you're wreaking havoc in my home. And start killing it. You know what I've learned? Day one turns into day two. And day two turns into day three. And before you know it, you got a bunch of days of victory. And it actually begins to, with great momentum, great power in your life, you see victory after victory. It changes all that's what's going on within you. Now, can you do that on your own? Absolutely not. And we're going to talk about that here in a moment. But we must have an act of the will. We must say, look, I'm going to go against this. I'm going to kill it. One person said it like this, and you've probably heard this thought before. They said, before you speak, this is great advice, ask yourself. So before you, before I speak, ask you, ask me, we ask ourselves three questions. Is it kind? Is it helpful? And is it necessary? Isn't that good? So before we want to last, before we got to always give our thought and our opinion, because we got to be in control and got to run everything. No, what do we do? We say, here's the deal. Three questions. Is it kind? Is it kind? Be kind to one another, the Bible says. Be kind to one another. Affectionate to one another. Tenderhearted with one another. How wise Christ Jesus has modeled you. Is it kind? Is it helpful? Is this going to help? Is this just me complaining? Is this just me just spewing? Is this really going to help the situation? And then lastly, is it really necessary? When I began to ask myself those three questions, my day got a lot more silent, amen? They got a lot more quiet in my world. It's like, wow, I didn't realize how unkind, how unhelpful, and how unnecessary I was. But it's so important, isn't it? Because if we're going to model Christ and be like Christ, this is who we have to be. Write down Colossians 4, Colossians 4, 6. So Colossians 4, 6, write that down. So here's another command. He said, you know, do not let sin reign. Not a suggestion, by the way. Do not let it. Kill it. Go to war against it. Now here in Colossians 4, 6, let your speech... So he's insisting, by the way, let your speech always, not sometimes, always be gracious, 
seasoned with salt. Why? There's always a why in this. So that you may know. Did you catch that? So that you may know. Not for me and you to be gracious so other people may know how we ought to answer each person. Yeah, let me teach them a lesson. Boy, I'm really glad so-and-so is here today to hear this lesson. Amen? Really glad they're here. Yeah, that's good. Let's just bring a whole bunch of pride in here. That'll help out. No, we, we say, look, God, look at me. Look at me. I'm going to analyze me. I'm going to see where I am in this struggle. And then, God, I'm going to go to war. I'm going to kill it. Let your speech always. That's tough, isn't it? Anyone else kind of just ponder that one for a moment and go, ooh, always? Always be gracious? Always be gracious to that husband that is not always gracious? Always be gracious to that wife who's not always gracious? I mean, think about this for a moment. I mean, always, always, there's this always factor that has to be there. The bar of Scripture is high. The bar of Scripture says, look, here's holiness, and don't settle for, for second best. No, aim for Jesus. Be well-pleasing to Him, and watch what happens in your home, in your marriage. Watch what happens. God will do a work. So just in case, there are verse 7 and 8. If we're not moved by the destruction that the tongue can wheel, let's look at 7 and 8. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed. So pause there for a moment. So, so here James is like, look, every kind of beast, everyone, bird, reptile, sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed. But, verse 8, no human being can tame the tongue. Why? There's a why again. Do you see this in Scripture? So often in Scripture, you'll see this happen, how this plays out. You'll see the directive, not the suggestion, but the directive, and then often you will see a why. Well, here it is. Why? It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. By the way, not a good thing, in case you're wondering. Like a really, really bad thing. And again, it's amazing when you look back. Here we are in James chapter 3. Verse 8, we've been journeying through this verse by verse, word by word. Man, we're unpacking every word that's said. Why do we go word by word, verse by verse? It's real simple. We know this, that it's the word of God that will set you free. I can stand up here and talk about my vacation, and you may laugh and we have a good time, but you're going to leave and be filled with nonsense because when you get out in the real world and Monday morning hits, you don't need my vacation stories. You need the Word of God. That's what's going to satisfy. That's what's going to keep you going. That's what's going to get you through the dark nights of the soul. It's always the Word of God. So what happens? Well, here it is. It's a restless evil. Taming, though, what does that mean? What does that mean to tame? I mean, think about this. So lions have been tamed. Elephants, big creatures, the wild beasts, so to speak. But the tongue, this, this little, tiny member, it says right here from the Word of God, no human can tame the tongue. I don't know about you, but when I read that here this last week, 
I've read that multiple times in my life, but it came alive to me like never before. Just think about this. So lions, big elephant, big creatures can be tamed and have been tamed, the word says. But this little member that's tucked behind teeth and lips, your grill, it's tucked behind there, and what happens? It can't be tamed. Why? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what's in my heart at some point will come out. When you think through this, think about how necessary it is then if no one can tame, forget someone else's tongue, and that's part of our problem, isn't it? We're trying to tame everyone else's tongue. Well, if I could just straighten him out or straighten her out, and God's saying, no, I'm trying to straighten you out. If we would just tame our own tongue, imagine what would happen. And what happens, though, we think we can tame it. See, that's the lie from the pit of hell. We think, well, if I just work hard enough on this, kind of like salvation, if I just work hard enough, God will love me. No, it's all about grace, salvation, amen? It's by grace you've been saved. Same thing with the tongue. Right there, it says no man can tame it. You say, well, what do we do then? We need some help, don't we? But the first step is having an act of that will saying, I actually want the help. If it's just denial, 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 as we always say, denial is what? A river in Egypt. But it's a really, really bad game plan for the Christian life. And we can say, hey, you know, we're all good. We're not good, man. This is, this is serious stuff. Every, every issue that I can think about in my own life. I'm thinking about something right now where I've caused pain was because of my mouth. When I counsel people, every issue has something to do with the mouth. Every issue. I mean, this is, this is serious. If we, if we don't deal with this, it will deal with us. And so as we now go on the attack, you see this in key number two, which is our last key. So important. Here it is, key number two. Because the tongue spews deadly poison, because it does, not if, but because it does, again, can it do good things? Amen. Can it say holy things? Amen. But because it will spew this toxic deadly poison, do not attempt to tame it in your own strength. That's the enemy talking to you. Just talking nonsense. You can do this. You're great. Go you. You're awesome. That's the enemy speaking. It will end up in a disaster. Because here's what happens, because I've tried this. This is personal experience. I've tried to tame my own tongue and my own strength. And here's what happens. You can, I'll give you this much, you can keep up the charade for a while. Oh, you can. You can. You can keep it up for a while, but you can't keep it up indefinitely. There's going to come a moment in time where the frustration and the stress and the pressure mounts and you're just like, blah, right? And it's like, okay, I just got exposed. Nothing really happened in my heart. It's been a sham. No, you got to go against this in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that will give you victory in this sin and any sin. Be killing sin, John Owen said, the Puritan, or it will be killing you. We have to attack it. You think about this in verse 7 and 8. So there's that, the tongue, it's unstable as it's restless. It can't be restrained. That's what taming means, to restrain, to be controlled. So when we say this, that, that he is 
filled with the Holy Spirit. You guys ever heard that? I know in Baptist land, but you know, filled with the Holy Spirit, that's not like doing cartwheels, jumping out of balconies. That's not what I was talking about. Being filled with the Holy Spirit in the original language means this, to be under the control of the Holy Spirit. Under the control. So again, that's where we struggle though, don't we? I mean, truthfully, without a show of hands, who likes to submit to anyone or anything? Amen. Be honest. Like, we don't like this, do we? We're humans. We don't want to submit to anybody or anything. We just, we bristle. Well, the Christian life is all about submission, joyful submission. Jesus, you're my Lord. My life's no longer my own. I was bought with the most precious blood. I'm giving you everything, holding nothing back. Here it is. You take it. Oh, by the way, take my tongue too. Really take my tongue. That's what having a tongue that's tame means. To be restrained. Because why? It's filled with deadly poison. Now, ponder this for just a second. When James is talking about deadly poison, here's the word that really brings it home. When you think of something that, that's deadly, a lot of times we'll think, okay, yeah, that, that's, that's probably not good. But when you actually use the better word, that it's fatal. For some reason, we go, that's deadly. We go, ooh, I better stay away. I don't want to get near it. Man, when you hear it's fatal, like, we're like, I don't even want to look at it, right? I mean, it's just fatal? Like, you mean gone? Yeah, gone. That's what he's talking about here. The tongue is full of fatal poison. And the word poison there in the original is this. It's venom. Ever been bitten by a snake? Bad illustration. I forgot. Yes, we do got one in the back row there. That's right. Yeah, got a couple people. Okay, let me think of another illustration. So you got a couple folks who've been bit by a snake. I've never have, praise Jesus. But I, I've, I've heard of some accounts. So poison, boy, those fangs go in, right? And, and what do you do? Well, you just kind of, you go to the refrigerator, you grab a cherry Coke and a pack of Oreos and prop your feet up on the TV set and watch the ball game, right? What do you do? I mean, you break every traffic law known to man, get into the hospital, amen? All in the name of Jesus, right? I mean, you got poison in your veins. This is what he's trying to communicate. Like when we invite this stuff in, gossip, slander, backbiting, unforgiveness, jealousy, on and on we go. We're just inviting in the snake to go, boom. Come on, bring the poison. We'll be okay, though. It's absolutely asinine is what it is. That means utterly insane. It makes no sense, but that's how deceitful the flesh is. Ah, this won't hurt. Yes, it will. It will destroy. It will destroy. When I've spoken unkindly to my wife, it destroys. When I've spoken unkindly to my children, it destroys. It's poison. I have to repent from that. I've got to go to war against that. I have to kill it. When you're at work and they're making fun of you because you're Mrs. Christian or you're Mr. Christian and you want to lash out in the name of Jesus and fashion a whip and turn over tables, I'd probably practice the pause and say, is this kind? Is it helpful? And is this necessary? Do I really need to be sharing what I want to share? 
It's deadly poison. Why? Because again, key two, because the tongue spews deadly poison, do not attempt to tame it in your own strength. And this is always the fatal miscalculation. It has been for me. It's been an eye-opener for me. You know what's ironic is I was praying about, God, what book do you want us to study next after we got out of Jude? And so I was praying. I had a couple in mind. And so James was just like, you know how it gets there to you? Going, we need James and we need James. Actually, you know what the new message is? I needed James. That's actually the sermon. Like God gave this to me to teach because who learns the most from the teaching usually? Teachers? The teachers, amen? You've worked it over all week long. You've wrestled with it. God's spoken to your heart. Man, God has just been all up in my business because I see clearly now that I got to go to war against this stuff and no longer justify it, no longer rationalize it, no longer blame other people, no longer accept it. Kill it. Or it's going to be killing us if we're not careful. That's why I want to give you a few verses here under key number two. Write these down. So Psalm 140, verse 3, Psalm 140, verse 3. They make their tongues as sharp as a serpent's. Interesting. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Do you see that? So there it is, James. James talking about venom, poison. Right there it is from the Old Testament, Psalm 143. And when you're in that battle, when you're in that situation, it could be in the marriage, it could be at home, it could be at work, it could be at the ball team, or even, yes, at church. When you're in those situations there, there's a lot of poison going on, right? That that venom, it wells up within us. That's why Romans 3, 13 and 14, back to Romans, actually expands on this. So Romans 3, 13 through 14 Their throats are open graves. Wow. Now that's a visual, isn't it? Ever thought about your throat being an open grave? Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Hmm, sounds familiar. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Well, it's easy to be bitter, especially when you've been wounded, isn't it? Again, to strike, got to protect, we put the walls up. It happens to so many people. This is part of how life is. We live in a broken, fallen, depraved world. We get wounded, we get hurt, we get abandoned. Maybe it's all the above. And now we put up all these walls. And when anyone gets over that wall, man, we're ready to punch, aren't we? How do we punch? Not physically, but usually it's with the mouth. How about this one, Romans 8, 13. Romans 8, 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Okay, pretty clear, cut and dry there. But if by the Spirit, here it is, as we're going on the backside of this hill, here is the good news. But if by the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So it's real simple. So we got in the flesh, death. By the Spirit, we got life. Flesh, death. That's what we're signing up for. Raise the hand, say the prayer. Do the cartwheel, sign the card, get dunked all you want. But if it's not real, on those days, those last days, depart from me, I never knew you. Not that I don't know you, I never knew you. I don't even know who you are. Because the life was never given to Christ. Wholesale, not holding anything back, but wholesale giving to Him. Think about this. We must go on a relentless assault against sin in the power 
and under the control of the Holy Spirit. Now, just imagine for a moment, we picture this. So I know in my mind right now that, that this is a struggle in my life. And bottom line, we know the truth that it's a struggle for everyone here today to some degree. Some degree it is. Imagine if everyone today, me at the top of the list, that we, by the act of the will, through the power and enabling of the Holy Spirit, we go to war against this. Just imagine what happened all over this room. Because here's the deal. We forget this. So the first home was Genesis. The first church was Acts. So what happens is we're going to leave here in a little bit and go back to our homes. And we'll go do our thing. Prayerfully, we'll live for Jesus. Amen. Monday through Saturday, get here on Sunday. Actually, get here on Wednesday night. Hint, hint, hint. And as you get back here on Wednesday night, hey, what's going to happen? Discipleship, discipleship, right? But what happens, though, is you go back to these little homes, and the tendency is we then take off the mask, don't we? Literally, no pun intended. We take off the mask, don't we? And we begin to live this other life. No, God says, don't have a Christian mask on. Clothe yourself with Jesus all the time. And that's who you wear. You wear Christ everywhere you go. And what happens as we begin to be gracious and kind and tenderhearted to everyone around us, imagine what that will do, not just here in this building, imagine what it will do all over Richmond, Chester and beyond as we go to our mission fields. See, that's the power of the tongue. We will either be taking Jesus to the people or we'll be taking self to the people. And it's one of those two options. That's why the takeaway question is so, so paramount. And this has been a game changer for me personally. And I pray that you will embrace the, the takeaway question. Because as I'm learning, most people in the Christian faith have not embraced the takeaway question. Here it is. Do I have someone who speaks truth into my life regarding the need for my tongue to be tamed. Now, let me ask you, or let me unpack this. So, I'm not talking about your spouse. If you're a man, you need a man who you go to. Don't just do a blanket, hey, hold me accountable. No, go find a man like I've done, and I say, I want you to hold me accountable. I gave this guy five things to hold me accountable to, and he's recently held me accountable. And I pray he does it even more. Go to him. Men, find a man. Women, find a woman. You go, I don't need that. Yes, you do. Everyone here today needs that. If you want to live in victory, you have to have another brother, another sister. By the way, woman to woman, man to man. Is it okay to have a spouse involved? Matter of fact, I've given... Kristen, my wife, permission to talk to this man anytime she wants. Now, that's serious, isn't it? And you know what that does? That puts up guardrails everywhere, right? You're kind of like, I don't want to mess this thing up. Well, what do we do? Let's just be honest. So we don't do that, right? Again, we don't commit adultery, don't rob banks, we don't murder people, but we got our secret stash that we love to pull out and coddle every now and then, put it away, and then we wonder why we're living in defeat all the time. We're not killing it. you got to kill it. Like whatever you're dealing with, kill it today. Call it out, kill it. So what's the action step? Well, here it is. I will seek the Lord for who He would have me approach to ask to hold me accountable with what I say. 
Now, this can be a, a relationship that's more than just the tongue, and prayerfully it will be. I'm just telling you guys, if you don't have this in your life, you're just setting yourself up for failure. You have to have someone who's willing to get in your face and you go to them after you pray and say, I've been praying and I believe the Lord wants you to hold me accountable. Today I go here, hold me accountable. You're fearful to do it. And then what happens is I can be tempted now to blame you when I get in trouble. That's how bizarre our flesh is. We start blaming everyone else. I got no one to blame but me. I can look in the mirror. Find someone, a lady to a lady, a man to a man, and say, I want you to get in my face and hold me accountable. I want you to do this. It's so, so critical if you want to have victory. I was thinking of Psalm 139. Write that down, our last thought here. Psalm 139, 23 through 24. I love this passage. This is a psalmist. And as he's crying out, listen to his words here. Psalm 139, 23 through 24. Search me, O God, me, not you, not your friend, not your neighbor, not your spouse. Search me and know my heart, me. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me. And then lead me. Are you catching this? Search me, God. Here I am, just open. You search me. God, know my heart. What's really in here? Try me, oh God. Know my thoughts. See, God, if there's any wicked way in there, any wicked way. And then lead me. Lead me, God, in the way that's everlasting. You know why, church? Here's what I've learned in my own brokenness and sin. That sin hardens our hearts. When we don't tame our tongues, what's in the heart will now begin to harden. And the harder it gets, we will now become resistant to the work of the Holy Spirit. We're going to rebel. That's how it works. It gets hardened. I'm now resistant. I don't want to listen to anyone else. Got all the answers. Got it all figured out. In over my head. See, we're not humble then. We're not being that person that God wants us to be. We're stiff-necked. We're rebellious in our attitude. But other times we can conceal it, but it will rear its ugly head. That's why, again, every man, every man today needs a man. Every woman needs a woman. You're too prideful to ask. Here's what's happening. If you're too prideful today, going, I don't need that. That's you here today. I'm too prideful. You're stunting your own spiritual growth. And you will damage those that are around you in that process. However, if you're serious about your faith, you will be serious about being held accountable. What does God's word say? The tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man, no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. Father, we just come before you today. God, I pray that in the midst of the word, in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the pain, 
God, I pray that we would get real and honest and open with you right now. God, we all struggle with this. The real issue is, will we admit it? And so, God, I pray that we get honest right now and just begin to bring it to the light and say, I got a problem with that. I need to kill this. Because I've tried to manage it for so long, and the reality, it's been managing me. God, we're not real good at confessing. How many times do we get in a gathering and we just begin to confess our sins to one another? For the Bible commands. But how many times do we do that? Getting honest and real. That's where the victory is. That's where the growth is, the healing. And yet it's just so easy to play the game, just to go along to get along. Rationalized, justified, acceptable sin called the poison of the tongue. God, I pray today there'll be victory. I pray at least one person will say, that's me. I'm gonna kill it. I'm gonna name it from this day forward. Today's day number one. I'm going to war. And I can't wait for day number two. Lord, I pray, will you give us the strength by the power of the Holy Spirit? Can't do it on our own. But our counselor, our helper, he will do the work. And we surrender that control and not grieve, not quench, not rebel, not stiff-necked, not hard-hearted. Humble. Humble. Humble, coachable, teachable. That's what you desire. So God, would you do that work right now? We submit to you as we surrender to you, God. We'll be quick to give you all the praise. Because God, we know who we really are. Without you, we're eternally lost. We got nothing without you. So we're not going to be even tempted to be boastful in your presence. And we're hitting the deck. It's all about you, your glory, and your praise. Do something special right now in this time. We surrender not some, no, we surrender all. And we give you that praise, we give you that glory. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. Don't forget that all of these messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. That's thisdayministries.org. In addition, if you have been blessed by the teaching of God's Word during This Day in the Word, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is info at thisdayministries.org. Thanks again for listening as we strive to honor Christ and impact our world as we spend this day in the Word.